اعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم لسن نمبر 39 سورة البقرة آیا نمبر 284 to 286 the last verses of the surah لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ To Allah belongs whatever that is in the skies and whatever that is in the earth. Everything that exists, whether it is up in the skies or it is in the earth, who owns it? Allah. Who created it? Allah. Whose servants are they? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's servants. Notice, لِلَّهِ For Allah. When it says for Allah, and this is how the sentence begins, then it means only for Him. Meaning He alone. Only He owns whatever that is in the earth, whatever that is in the skies. Meaning everything is His creation. Everything belongs to Him. And everything belongs. He is the one who regulates it. He is the one who looks after it. He is the one who manages all of its affairs. Not anyone else. وَإِن تُبْدُوا And if you reveal مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ What is in yourselves أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ Or you hide it. يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ Allah can call you to account for it. تُبْدُوا is from the root letters بَادَ الْوَاو And budu is to reveal, to expose something. How do you expose something? Especially what is in the heart. مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ Anfus is a plural of nafs, and nafs applies to the person, the soul, the spirit, the self, the heart. So whatever is in the heart, how does a person expose it? Either through his words, or through his actions. You could have a feeling, you could have a thought, you could have an intention about doing something. How would you expose it? How would you let it be known? Once you verbalize it, and once you act on it. So Allah says that whether you reveal what is in yourselves, أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ Or you hide it, you conceal it. تُخْفُو from the root letters خَافَيَا Khafi, that which is hidden, that which is concealed, meaning what is in your heart, an intention, a feeling, you hide it. So you don't tell any person about it. You don't verbalize it, you don't act on it. Rather you resist that thought, you control it, no matter how many times you want to say it, you don't say it, you keep it to yourself. Still, Allah says He can call you to account for it. يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِسْرَمْ حِسَابْ حَاسِينَ بَا And what does that mean? To call someone to account. To hold someone accountable for something. So in other words, whether you do something, or you just keep the intention in your heart, whether you verbalize some feelings, or you hide them in yourself, you don't share them with anyone, still Allah can question you about them. Still Allah can hold you accountable for them. And what we learn from this is, that Allah knows about what we do and what we hide, what we say and what we feel. Nothing at all is hidden from Allah. Because accountability can only come after knowledge. Only if He knows about it can He question us. So the point here is that whether you reveal something or you don't, it is the same to Him. Whether you act on it or you don't, it is the same to Him. He knows you fully well. And when He knows you, 
He can question you. يُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ Meaning, Allah will inform you about what you did and what you kept to yourself. What you expressed and what you concealed. Allah will inform you. And remember that hisab over here does not necessarily mean that He will punish you. No. It means that He will question you. He will hold you accountable. And there are two ways. Some will be asked that why did you do it? And whoever is asked why, that's it. He's done. He's going to be punished. And the other is that Allah will tell a person, Allah will question a person, did you do such and such? Did you feel such and such? Did you think about such and such? And the believer will confess and he will know that I'm in trouble now. But what will Allah say to him? That I hid this for you in the dunya and today I forgive it for you. So you hasibkum bihillah. That Allah knows. He can question you. فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ On questioning you, on holding you accountable, it is up to him. He can forgive whomsoever he wills, and he can punish whomsoever he wills. يَغْفِرُ غَيْنْفَرَى مَغْفِرَى And what does مَغْفِرَى mean? Forgiveness. From the same root is the word مِغْفَى, which is used for a helmet. A helmet that is worn by a warrior, a soldier. What does that helmet do? It protects, it shields the head. So it covers it and it also protects it. It safeguards it. And forgiveness, this is what it does. It shields, it covers, it hides our sins. Meaning when Allah forgives a person, then his sin is hidden. And Allah also protects that person from the consequences of that sin. And what are the consequences? In this world and also in the hereafter. So, فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ Then Allah can forgive whomsoever He wills. وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ And He can punish whomsoever He wills. Meaning then it is up to Him. It is His decision. If He wants, He can forgive. And if He wants, He can punish. Ultimately, the decision lies with Him alone. وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ And Allah over all things is fully capable. قَدِير قَافْ دَالْرَى قُدْرَى Meaning he has full ability to do whatever he wants. If something is non-existent, he can bring it to existence. If something is living, he can cause it to cease. Why? Because he is able to do anything and everything he wants. In Surah Fatir, Ayah 44, Allah says, وَمَا كَانَ اللَّهُ لِيُعْجِزَهُ مِنْ شَيْءٍ فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَلَا فِي الْأَرْضِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ عَلِيمًا قَدِيرًا That there is nothing in the heavens and the earth that can make Allah incapable. That can make Allah weak. Why? Because he is knowing and he's capable. He can do whatever he wants. He can execute his will. Nothing at all can prevent him. Now what do we see in this ayah? That everything that exists, whether it is up in the skies or it is in the earth, or it is somewhere in between, it belongs to who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Where are we? On the earth. So who do we belong to? Allah. And Allah doesn't just own us, but He knows us. He knows every detail about us. Whether we hide something or we reveal it. Sometimes it happens that people, especially children, if they have experienced some abuse or something, those feelings are suppressed inside for years. And then eventually they come out. Eventually they show. Eventually a person is not able to keep it in his heart and it comes out in some form or the other. So whether you hide it or you let it be known, Allah knows you. This is why 
we don't just need to be worried about our apparent actions, but also about what we conceal in our hearts. Because Allah can question us about what we keep in our hearts. Now when this verse was revealed, when this ayah was revealed, the sahaba, the companions, they got really worried. And they went to the Prophet And they fell on their knees. They fell on their knees and they said to him, O Messenger of Allah, we were asked to perform what we can bear of deeds. Meaning we were asked to do some things that we could do. We were asked to pray, we prayed. We were asked to fast, we kept fast. We were asked to go out in the way of Allah, we did that. We were asked to give in charity, we did that. In Surah Al-Baqarah we have learned about so many commands, right? So they said, that whatever we were asked to do, we did it. However, this ayah was revealed to you, and we cannot bear it, meaning it's too difficult for us. We can control our physical actions, but when it comes to the feelings of our hearts, the negative thoughts, the jealousy, the pride, the arrogance sometimes, the ill feelings, when we are hurt, when we are unable to forgive, this is something that we don't have control over. But Allah says, فَيُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ Allah can hold you accountable. But this is something that is beyond our ability. So what are we going to do? The Prophet ﷺ, he said, Do you want to repeat what the people of the two scriptures before you said? That they said, سَمِعْنَا وَعَصَيْنَا That we have heard, but sorry, we're not going to do it. We're going to disobey. Are you going to repeat what the people of the past said? That you say, it's too hard, it's too difficult, sorry Allah, we cannot do this. Is this what you're going to say? Rather, you should say, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ Rather, you should say, O Allah, we have heard, and we will do our best to obey. But O Allah, your pardon, meaning we need your forgiveness. O our Lord. To you is our return. We cannot run away from you. We are going back to you. So, O oh Allah, we will do our best, but you forgive us. So the Sahaba, they all repeated that statement. سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ And when the people said this, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the following verses. That, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ That the messenger has believed in whatever was revealed to him from his Lord, as well as the believers. كُلٌ آمَنَ بِاللَّهِ وَمَلَائِكَتِهِ وَكُتُبِهِ وَرُسُلِهِ All of them have believed in Allah, His angels, His books, and His messengers, saying that لَا نُفَرِّقُ بَيْنَ أَحَدٍ مِنْ رُسُلِ We don't differentiate between any of the messengers. وَقَالُوا سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا And they said, O oh Allah, we have heard, and we will also obey. غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا وَإِلَيْكَ الْمَصِيرِ We beg your pardon, O oh our Lord, and to you is our return. And then Allah also revealed the next verse. That لَا يُكَلِّفُ اللَّهُ نَفْسًا إِلَّا وُسْعَهَا That Allah does not overburden a soul more than what it can bear. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ Every person will get what it strove for, meaning the good. وَعَلَيْهَا مَا اكْتَسَبَتْ And will suffer the consequences of the sin that it acquired. And then Allah taught the people a dua, which inshallah we will learn about in more detail. And when the people made the dua, that oh Allah, don't hold us accountable if we, if we forget or if we make a mistake, Allah said, I shall accept your supplication. And when the people said, Oh Allah, don't lay upon us a burden like it was laid upon the people before us, 
Allah said, I shall accept your supplication. And when the people said, Oh Allah, don't lay upon us what we don't have the strength to bear, Allah said, I shall accept your supplication. When the people said, Oh Allah, pardon us, forgive us, have mercy on us, you are our friend, so help us against the disbelieving people. Then Allah said, that I shall accept your supplication. This is a great lesson for us. This should be our attitude towards all of the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There are many things that we have learned in Surah Al-Baqarah. Some things we say, yeah, I can do that. I'm already doing that. And there are other things which we feel are huge mountains for us to climb and we feel intimidated, we feel afraid and we don't even dare to take the challenge. We don't even dare to take the step forward. We say, too hard, Uh uh-uh, I'm not doing it. But what do these verses teach us? That don't repeat what the people of the past repeated. Don't say, we have heard, we know, but we're not going to do it. No, try, give it your best. And beg Allah for forgiveness and ask Him for strength. Ask Him to make things easier for you. Don't avoid, face the challenge and go higher. Now in this ayah, the first verse, there are a number of lessons that we learn. First of all, we learn in this verse that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He owns every single thing. Whether it is in the earth or it is in the skies. Now all that we know, the existence, the creation that we know exists, what is that? It's either up in the skies, the universe, or it is in the earth. So everything that is known to us, who owns it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But a person might say, no, this book is mine. And I made this house myself. And I made such and such myself. Allah did not make the machines. Allah did not make the aircraft, so on and so forth. A person could could say things like that. But the thing is, if people own anything, then what kind of ownership is it? It is partial and temporary. It is partial that they don't have full control over it. What you own, you don't have full control over it. It can break, it can crack, it can fail on you. And likewise, it is temporary. It is only for some time. Sooner or later, we will lose that. We will have to give it up when the angel of death comes. So everything, whether it is in the skies, in the earth, or in between, who owns it? Allah. What is in the skies? The stars, the moon, the galaxies... And in the samawat, above the samawat, whether it is the kursi of Allah, the arsh of Allah, or it is the angels, or it is the souls of the children of Adam, whatever, wherever, up in the skies, who owns it? Allah. Whatever is in between, the clouds, the stars, the galaxies, on the earth, whether it is animate beings or inanimate, living or non-living, creation with intellect or creation without intellect, human beings, animals, plants, trees, rivers, mountains, everything belongs to Allah alone. Another very important thing that we learn here is that when Allah owns all of it, then that means He manages everything as well. He regulates the affairs of every creation, whether it is the sun, or it is the clouds, or it is the trees, or the ants, or the birds, or the mountains, everything related to it, who manages it, who controls it? Only Allah. A house. If a person owns a house, then do they not manage the affairs of the house? They pay the bills. They make sure everything is functioning properly. 
anything has to be fixed, replaced, repaired, they do it. Why? Because they're the owner. They're the one who's responsible. So the heavens and the earth, everything that is functioning, who manages all of that? Allah. And when that is the case, then it tells us about who Allah is. What a perfect being He is. Because this whole function cannot exist except by the one who is all-knowing, the one who is all-capable, the one who is all-wise, the one who is very merciful, the one who hears, the one who sees, the one who speaks, the one who has honor and might and strength. Only Him. He is our Lord. And He is the one who tells us that whether you hide something or you reveal it, He knows about it. So that leads us to the next lesson, which is the perfect knowledge of Allah about everything that happens in the heavens and the earth. Whether it is something very secret, very hidden, in the darkness of the earth, in the darkness of the night, or it is exposed in the brightness of the day. Whether it is something done publicly, or it is done secretly. Anything and everything, Allah knows about it. And it teaches us that we should not keep in our hearts what Allah does not approve of. Now if you think about it, our mind is constantly thinking. Thoughts come and they go. As you're sitting here, probably you've thought about hundreds and hundreds of things. In the past few minutes, many thoughts have crossed your mind. Sometimes we're trying to sleep, but we cannot shut off our brain. We're trying to pray, and we want to focus, but we cannot shut off our thoughts. We want to have a focused conversation with someone, but our mind goes everywhere. Our thoughts are spread everywhere. Constantly something or the other is coming through our head. But what do we learn here? That thoughts come and they go. We think and we forget. We feel and we get over it. But you know what? Allah knows about it. And Allah can ask us. And Allah can question us. He can punish us. Why did you think like this? How dare you feel like that? And what is it that we feel in our hearts? There are many things. A'malul qalb. The actions of the heart are many. It includes intention. The intention to do something or not do something. Whether good or bad. It includes Patience, it includes reliance, it includes hope, it includes forgiveness, it includes positive thinking about others, it includes good thoughts about Allah, good thoughts about yourself, good thoughts about others, or negative even, bad even. So whatever is in the heart that comes and goes, we feel but we forget, we get over it. Yes, we might have gotten over it, we might have forgotten it, but you know what? Allah knows. It's recorded and Allah can ask us. Allah can question us. So don't just guard your actions and your words, but guard what? Your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. But what do we say? I can't control myself. I'm just so angry. I'm just so sad. I'm just so upset. I'm so hurt. I'm so frustrated. But the thing is that we have to control the heart as well. Why? Because if you don't control the heart, ultimately those feelings will come where? On the tongue and on our limbs. It's not possible that a person is feeling happy in the heart and that happiness will not show on the face. That excitement will not be visible by a person's body language. It's not possible. 
whatever is in the heart is going to be mirrored on the outside. Likewise, something negative. It's not possible that you dislike someone and the feelings don't show by our actions, by the way that we speak to them, by the way that we deal with them. No, it will come out. And the thing is that we just focus on the outward. Oh, you know, pretend that you're fine. Oh, give a fake smile. You know, show that you're very upset. And we don't worry about the heart. And what does this lead to? Hypocrisy, lies, living a double life, contradiction between heart and actions. And when there's a contradiction such as this, then a person will be unhappy, then a person will feel hypocritical, then a person will have strained relationships with other people, a person will be unhappy then. But we feel happiness is that you put a fake smile all the time. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't try to be happy. The thing is that you have to fix what is in the heart. That is the root cause. Because it's just like iman, faith. Where is it? In the heart. Iman is in the heart. But then it doesn't just stay in the heart. It comes out through your actions, through your words. So likewise, anything that is in the heart will come out on the surface. This is why we should also guard our feelings, our thoughts, the state of our heart. Even that needs to be guarded. Now, this tells us that a person will be held accountable over what is in the heart as well. But there are some exceptions. There are some exceptions. One is that the negative thought, the bad thought, the waswasa of shaitan, the whisperings of shaitan, a person fights such thoughts and feelings. A person resists them, he controls them, he fights them, he tries to avoid them. You know, for example, a person has this feeling, they're looking at me like that, you know what, they're upset with me. You have those feelings. And you tell yourself, no. How do you know they're upset? Maybe they're very tired. Maybe they had a very hard day. So you control yourself. Don't let your thoughts wander. Don't let your thoughts lead you. No. Control them. And when you control them, when you curb those thoughts, those desires, those feelings, then inshaAllah, Allah will forgive you too. Because you are striving. You are trying. And as long as you are trying, inshaAllah, Allah will also help you and He will forgive you. So this teaches a very important thing. Negative thoughts, don't let them grow bigger. Ill feelings, don't let them grow stronger. No, resist them. Cut them off immediately. And the thing is, this is how we end up sinning. We end up harming other people. This is the root cause. So cut the root cause. Finish that. Solve that problem. And then other problems will be solved. You know, whenever there's a problem like, for example, you feel that a particular person, their attitude with you is very strange, then don't just say, oh, I don't like that person, I don't get along with them. No, get to the root cause. Are they hurt? Do they have higher expectations? Do you have higher expectations of them that they cannot achieve? Are you just angry with them for some reason that they don't even know? Get to the root cause and solve that first and then the rest of the things will fall in place. So when we have bad thoughts about someone, what do we need to do? Replace them with positive. Give them the benefit of doubt. 
that you feel, oh, she doesn't care about me, he doesn't care about me, my husband doesn't love me, look, I've never seen anything good from him, my parents, they hate me. No, why would you think like that? Even if there is a reason to think like that, still replace that with positive. You know, if somebody has done something wrong, give them 50 excuses that perhaps this is why they made this mistake. Perhaps this is why they said such and such. Give them a list of reasons, one after the other. Somebody didn't do something that they were supposed to? Give them a list of reasons. Tell yourself, you know what? I also make the same mistake. In a hadith we learn that the sahaba, they once came to the Prophet ﷺ, a companion once he came and he complained that sometimes, you know, there are such thoughts that come to my mind, to my heart that I wish I would burn to coal than anyone else finding out about those thoughts. I hate those thoughts. I hate such feelings. And sometimes it happens that shaitan makes you think, what if there is no God? What if Islam is not true? What if this Qur'an is false? Like children, they feel, what if I'm adopted and my parents are not really my real parents? This is why they're treating me like that. What if my husband's having an affair with someone else? Negative thoughts that you don't even want to tell anybody about. You'd rather die than express those thoughts, than say those things. You know, a mother gets frustrated with her children and she says, why do I have kids? My so-and-so relative, I hate her, why doesn't she die? Why doesn't he die? Why don't I just die? You know, shaitan brings such thoughts and you won't dare mention them. You won't dare let anyone know about them. So, the Sahaba, they complained to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, وَقَدْ وَجَدْتُمُوهُ Meaning, do you really find such thoughts in your heart? They said, yes. So the Prophet ﷺ said, that is the sign of Iman. That is the sign of true faith. How? Because shaitan will only go where there is Iman. That when a person has Iman, shaitan wants to corrupt that. When a person is positive and strong-willed and you know he has good feelings about others, he's being patient, he's relying on Allah, he's being hopeful, then obviously shaitan will attack him. If somebody is already thinking negative thoughts, will shaitan bother about him? No. Because that person is already on his track. Shaitan will come where there is treasure, where there is faith. In another version we learned, the Prophet ﷺ said, Alhamdulillahi الذي رد كيده إلى الوسوسة That praise be to Allah, that He repelled the kaid, the plot of shaitan, He reduced it to only a waswasa, to only a negative thought. Meaning all that shaitan can do to us is just put a negative thought in our hearts. And that's it. He can't make us do anything else beyond that. So be grateful that it's only a negative thought. But what do you need to do? Resist it. Get rid of it. Replace it with something positive. Replace that negative thought with something hopeful. Replace that hatred with love. Replace that animosity with friendship. Replace that frustration with relaxation. Take it easy. Another exception is that when a person intends to do something wrong, he wants to do something bad, but then he doesn't do it. So for example, negative feeling comes into your heart. You know what? I'm going to go yell at him. I'm going to go give it to her. 
I'm going to say this and this and this. How dare she say like that to me? You have that intention, that firm will. You know what? Next time I see her, I'm going to teach her a lesson. But the next time you see her, you say, you know, we learned forgive and forget, pardon. So you know what? It's okay. I'll let it go. Hopefully Allah will forgive me. So you intend to do something bad, but then you don't do it. And this is of various types. Why you don't do it? This is of various types. And the consequences are different. One is that a person doesn't do it for the sake of Allah. So the moment you see the person, you're like, you know what? They're older than me. They're younger than me. You know, they're related to me. They've done so much good to me. You know, Allah likes those people who are forgiving and merciful. So you know what? For the sake of Allah, I'll forgive them. I'll let it go this time. Allah will reward me. Allah is watching. He knows what I'm going through. So you let it go for the sake of Allah. You change your mind. Why? For the sake of Allah. And when a person does this, then you know what? He is actually rewarded for deciding to do something wrong, but not doing it for the sake of Allah. He gets rewarded. He gets a complete good deed for that. In a hadith we learn that when a person intends to do something bad, but he doesn't do it, Allah tells the angels to record a good deed for him. Why? Because Allah says, لِأَنَّهُ تَرَكَهَا مِنْ جَزَائِي Because he left it for my sake. When he left it for my sake, then I will reward him. Another is that a person intends to do something bad, but then he leaves it because, you know, he just changes his mind. Not for the sake of Allah, but just he didn't get to, or he just changes his mind. He's like, no, you know what? It doesn't make a difference. They're still going to be bad. It's going to lead to more problems. Forget it. Not for the sake of Allah, that Allah will forgive me, or that Allah will be happy. No, for some other reason, he changes his mind. So will a person get reward for that? No. Will a person be punished for that negative, that evil intention? No. Why? Because he didn't do it. So as long as a person does not follow up a negative thought with an action, inshallah, that person is not held accountable. But what does this teach us? That if we ever decide to do something wrong, something bad, and such intentions do come in our heart, yelling at someone, taking revenge, talking to someone, riba breaking a promise, not fulfilling a commitment, not giving the assignment on time, right? not doing the lesson. Such intentions come in our hearts. But we should not follow them up with action for whose sake? For the sake of Allah. So that that also becomes a good deed. Another is that a person desires, he wishes to do something bad. He has that yearning, that desire. I wish I could also be like that. I wish I could also do such and such. But he doesn't do anything to actually get there, to be able to do it. He's not taking any action. He just has that strong burning desire, that wish, that craving, that yearning, but he doesn't follow it up by any effort, any action, nothing. Then that person will be held accountable because of his niyyah, because of his intention. Like in a hadith we learn that a person who is wasteful, he spends his wealth on wrong things, on bad things, in disobedience to Allah. And there's another person, he watches him, he sees him, and he's like, oh, I wish I could also do that. So that person will be punished because of his bad intention. So this means that if we ever see someone doing something bad, don't even wish to be like them. Do we? Do we wish to be like them sometimes? 
Like we wonder, oh, that person got away by lying. That person got away when they stole such and such. Maybe I should give it a try too. That person didn't do their lesson and the group in charge never asked them. And look, here I am doing my lesson seven times over and over and over again. I'm tired. Tomorrow I'm not going to do it. Next week I'm not going to do it. Or like we say, I wish I didn't have to wear hijab, then I would also wear my hair like that and go out in this manner or dress up like that and go out in this way. I would look better than any of these people. We have that wish. I wish I couldn't. But then you tell yourself, sigh, I'm a Muslim, so I have to wear hijab. And my parents did never let me walk out like that. So don't even have that desire because for that desire, that wish, that intention, Allah can punish you. Then the next is that a person, he wants to do something, right? He has that burning desire. He even strives to do it. He adopts the means, but then he fails. He badly fails. Like for example, a girl says, you know what? I'm not going to wear hijab to such and such. I'm, I'm going to sneak out and my parents don't know. And then she tries to sneak out, but then the plan fails. The dad walks in or something. So she's unable to go out like that. For example, then that person will get the sin of the one who actually does the whole thing. Why? Because it was not just intention and desire, but also he followed up by some action. So he will be sinful as though he did it. He did all of it. So again, what does this teach us? The heart. Focus on the heart. We focus a lot on the outward. We want to fix our hijab, put the pin perfectly. Our abaya, everything has to look perfectly fine. When we're praying in front of others, we become so conscious, so careful. Or even not in front of others, we're so careful. Oh, I have to pray my zuhur. I have to pray my asr. I'm, I'm done my four rakah. I'm done my two sunnah, so on and so forth. You know, we focus on the outward. Yes, very important. But we also need to focus on the heart. Clean the heart. And you know what? The heart, you need to focus on it all the time. You know, for example, prayers, salah, you just pray at zuhur time, done. You pray at asr time, done. But when it comes to the heart, you can never be distracted from it. You know, just like children, little children, can you ever leave them unattended? Can you ever leave them unattended? You cannot. Because even little babies, you don't know when they will roll over the first time. You don't know. What if they happen to roll over from the bed the first time when you were away? That's it. So you can never leave them unattended, even for a moment. Your heart is just like that. Your mind is just like that. You can never be distracted from it. Never. You always have to check yourself. Always filter yourself. Always critically analyze your heart, your feelings. Why am I saying this? Why am I feeling like that? Do I have the right to expect such and such from this person? Who am I to judge them? Who am I to pass such comments about them? And you know, when is it that we think negatively? When we're idle when we don't have anything better to do, when we're not busy in good things. When we're busy in good things, too busy you know, with good work, then we don't have time to think about negative things. You have to shun them aside. You have to let them go. Because otherwise you cannot grow, you cannot progress. And we learn in a hadith that the Prophet ﷺ said that when two people, they intend to fight each other and they come 
against each other with their swords and they end up fighting each other and one person kills the other, then both the qatil and the maqtul, the killer and the one who was killed, both will be in the fire. So the people said that, yeah, the killer, the murderer understood because he killed another. But why the murdered person? Why does he go to fire? The Prophet ﷺ said, because he intended to kill the other person. And he didn't just intend, but he also adopted the means in order to kill him. He picked up the weapon. He tried to attack, but he failed. So he will also be in the fire. So it starts from the heart. If you don't control it right there and then, then it will come into the action. It will lead you to doing something wrong. You know like when you have negative thoughts building up against someone in your heart, then what will happen? It will lead you to saying something negative about them to another person. It will lead you to saying something bad to them on their face. Ghiba, backbiting, sometimes accusation, false accusation, being judgmental. It leads to a chain of problems. It has a domino effect. So stop it right there. Cut the root. Don't let it grow. Pull it out. Pull the weed out. Don't let it grow. Because if it does, it's going to destroy you. Then we also learn in this ayah that people will be held accountable. Because Allah says, فَيُحَاسِبُكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ Allah will hold you accountable. So people will be held accountable. All of us will be questioned. All of us will be questioned about what we do, what we say, what we feel, what we intend. This is why Umar anhu he said, حَاسِبُوا أَنفُسَكُمْ قَبْلَ أَن تُحَاسِبُوا Call yourself to account before you are called to account. Before Allah calls you to account, hold yourself accountable right now. Check yourself. Ask yourself. You know, when it comes to worldly matters, we're always checking what's coming in, what's going out from the bank account. What's coming in, what's going out. Always checking, constantly, at the end of the day, at the end of the week, at the end of the month. But when it comes to our akhirah matters, we become very negligent. And this is a serious error. Because this is what makes a person negligent. Because we think, oh, I'm fine. I'm such a good person. Everyone's happy with me. I smile all the time. And look, I gave a gift to so-and-so. And look, I gave sadaqah yesterday. We all think, I'm very good. I'm perfectly fine. But you know what? Ask others and they'll tell you how you really are. Ask others and you won't dare to ask them because you know how you really are deep down. But you don't want to acknowledge it. You don't want to admit it. Isn't it so? Ask your siblings. Ask your spouse. Ask your close friends. We have wishful thinking. You know, we think very falsely about ourselves that everything is fine. We're going to go to Jannah. You know, Allah will forgive me. I'm doing so much good things. But if we truly analyze ourselves, we are full of faults. We are full of deficiencies. We are full of mistakes and errors. Allah will hold us accountable. This is why we need to keep cleaning ourselves so that we can keep improving. And we can keep earning the forgiveness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then Allah says at the end of the ayah that Allah is able to do everything. After saying that He will hold you accountable, it is up to Him. فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٌ Why do you think the ayah ends with this, that Allah is over all things capable, and not that Allah is merciful, or that Allah is شَدِيدُ الْعِقَابُ Allah punishes very severely. Why isn't this mentioned? Why is this mentioned that Allah is capable over everything? 
that he is competent over holding you accountable that will be when after resurrection so he is fully able to bring about the day of judgment the resurrection and he is fully capable to hold you accountable because he knows you and then he has the ability to forgive you he has the ability to even punish you so don't run away from him run to him don't avoid him go to him recitation لِلَّهِ مَا فِي السَّمَاوَاتِ وَمَا فِي الْأَرْضِ وَإِن تُبْدُوا مَا فِي أَنفُسِكُمْ أَوْ تُخْفُوهُ يُحَاسِبْكُمْ بِهِ اللَّهِ فَيَغْفِرُ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيُعَذِّبُ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَاللَّهُ عَلَى كُلِّ شَيْءٍ قَدِيرٍ